This is Real Life with Kevin West. And in the book of Genesis, he speaks to when man had fallen and Adam and Eve had transgressed. From the day of that transgression, God had spoken directly to the serpent, the enemy in the, in the garden. And he said, from this point on, there's going to be an enemy, enemy, enmity between you and the woman. Her seed and your seed. There's going to be a, a battle. There's going to be a struggle. There's going to be a fight. You're going to want to take over and she's going to give birth to something that's going to change the course of history forever. When God gave that burden to Eve, Adam then called her the mother of all living. And when Adam became the man that was going to protect his wife, he recognized that he was carrying something that was a burden that was going to be a hard burden to carry. The woman Eve then begins to say to herself, I've got to reproduce because out of me, out of us, there's going to be a, a child born. So from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 2, was what we would do today, and we know today in our, in our custom, in our society, is that there's an announcement or a pronouncement of a baby that's born, going to be born. It's the, it's the process of when a mother and father now have just discovered and found out that she's expecting, and there's a projected date on the calendar that the baby will be due, and we know in those nine-month period that that baby's going to be born. So from Genesis chapter 3 to Matthew chapter 2, even in Luke chapter 1, the entire passage of scriptures, all the books of the Bible, from Genesis to Matthew, is really, are really just a pronouncement of there's something about to happen. There's a baby that's going to be born. This, the offspring, the seed of the woman, that's, that's really going to bruise the head of the seed of the enemy. All this pronouncement, even you get to the book of Isaiah, and the book of Isaiah, Isaiah begins to prophesy and say things like, hey, there's going to be a virgin, and she's going to have a baby. That's going to be your sign to know that this is the time of really what God was speaking in the book of Genesis in the garden. So when you think about that passage of Scripture, and you think about all of the pronouncement, you could say it like this. You could say every prophet, every book, was just a foreshadow of, of an announcement of a letter that went out, of a writing that went out to tell a generation of people there's coming a time that the baby that comes into this world is going to change the world as you know it. Everything is going to change. Everything. Until that time, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a strain. Until that time, sin is going to run rampant and the curse and the effect of sin is going to be everywhere you look. You're going to try to get away from it, but death is going to be the end result because the wages of sin is death. You're going to run from it, but you can't escape it. Everybody has to feel this place called death. So God prepared a place called Abraham's bosom in the belly of the earth, underneath the earth. 
There was a place when everybody would pass away, they would go and spend that time in a holding place where waiting upon the time of that pronouncement that's been going on for 4,000 years really took place. A place called a bosom, a belly, a place called the womb, a place where all of the, the patriarchs, their sons, their daughters, all of mankind would be held in this position, in this place. It's sort of a, a holding container waiting for the baby to be born. Now all of heaven, the angelic hosts, the hosts of heaven, everybody up here was well aware of not just the beginning of the story, but they were also well aware of the end of the story. So over the course of time, with many pronouncements, Isaiah prophesying it, Ezekiel prophesying it, Amos prophesying it, Zechariah prophesying it, Nehemiah prophesying it, building the wall. Everything was a picture. Moses coming down with his tabernacle plan from heaven, which was a, a picture of Christ himself. Everything was a shadow. Everything was behind the light because the light had not yet come. Incredible story, incredible time that they lived in. Every one of them, including a guy by the name of King David, that David was a great king and a great prophet. David was a guy that actually was able to see through the time that Jesus was going to be born. And David would say things like this. He would say things like, Blessed is the generation of the nation of the people that are living in the day when God himself will not hold sin or transgression against that generation. He would prophesy and say when Jesus comes, when that Messiah comes, and they didn't know his name was Jesus, they just knew that there was going to be this son that was going to be born, that Isaiah had prophesied. They knew it was going to be the seed of the woman, but nobody knew his name. All they knew that there was something going to happen that was going to take away the repercussions and the effects of all the sin that had taken place. The world kept decaying. Generation after generation, there'll be a series of generations that would rise up and let God be God, but they still weren't saved. There'll be a generation that got wicked and went crazy and did all kinds of crazy things and let sin run rampant and the king would chase after other gods and they weren't saved. And then captivity would happen and Israel would go into a captivity and Israel would go into bondage and if they go into bondage for a certain period of years God in his mercy would then come to them and say I've got to position you in a place because if all you all know and all you know is judgment and all you know is condemnation all you know is punishment you'll never see me for who I really am I've got to prepare a generation of people I've got to prepare a people that is going to be able to receive so God would raise up kings Kings from the enemy. He would raise up kingdoms. The Assyrian kingdom. The Egyptian kingdom. Babylonian kingdom. He would raise these kingdoms up. And what these kingdoms would do, the kings would then go to all of these nations that were, even in the Israelite nation, and the Jewish nation, he would go to these nations and they would be so powerful with all their, their authority. And what they would do is they would go and spot out all of the people, see all of the spoils that they had, all of the stuff. All the things that they had accumulated and gathered together. And then the king, the king would send his army, his chariots, his soldiers. And they would go in a city, they would go in a region. And they would take all those people and hold them hostage. And they would transport all those people back to their own land. And then they would take all of the things in that land. 
and bring it all back as spoils and disperse it amongst their people. And then they would leave the land to lay desolate, vacant. Nobody would tend to it. They didn't care about the land. They wanted the people as slaves. And they wanted the stuff that the people had accumulated. Bring them back to their homeland. Over the course of generation after generation and kingdom after kingdom, God would begin to allow a picture to be developed in that time. And the picture that was developed was going to tell the prophets there was coming a time and the time was getting close. And how you'll know it's close is because there's going to be a kingdom that's going to raise up in the earth that's going to be similar to the kingdom and a picture of the kingdom that I have. God said, my kingdom has no end. It's ever increasing. And you're going to see it. So God allowed the Roman government and the Roman Empire to raise up in a certain time over 2,000 years ago. The Roman government did something a little bit different. Roman government and the Roman Empire wasn't like the Assyrians, wasn't like the Egyptians or the Babylonians. They wouldn't bring people back into their homeland and take all the spoils. They would send a, an apostle or a governor or a representative. After they would go and take all, take, take control of the land, they would send this apostle, this governor, this leader, and they would take this, right in the middle of this land that they were in, they would build this incredible home, palace, and they would set the governor up in the place, that apostolic person in place, and that person's role was an ambassador to represent the Roman government. They would make the people stay in that city. Then they would begin to colonize. They would begin to turn that city into the Roman government. Rather than taking the kids and the people out and bringing them to Rome, they would take the person and represented Rome and put them there on the spot in that field, in that city, in that land. And he began to indoctrinate education. The kids, if they were in that area, would learn not just their, their, their own area of education, they would now begin to be taught about how the Romans thought. Architecture would then change. Communication, dress, language. Everything began to change. The Rome Empire, Roman Empire would send that governor and the officials and they would begin to develop that land. Not bring them back and leave a desolate like all the other kingdoms did for 4,000 years. This time, they were setting up an empire. They were taking land, taking people, and indoctrinating those people into the way the Roman government thought. That's why the Bible says, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. There was now a kingdom on the earth that had a template that looked just like this kingdom of heaven and of God that was not able to be seen. God's never, his kingdom was not intended to just go take the people and bring them up to heaven like the Assyrians would do and like the Babylonians would do and the Egyptians would do. No, he allowed the Roman government to raise up and the Roman Empire to raise up to be the picture. And then when all of a sudden, when it was time for Jesus to come, the people, society, the community, the world would have an, a picture, an image, a parallel of how this kingdom was supposed to work. It's beautiful the way God did it because he waited for there to be some sort of resemblance, some way that he could communicate and demonstrate 
to a world that now had some sort of frame of reference. Because up until that point, there was no frame of reference to what that would look like. If you'll turn your Bibles with me real quickly to Proverbs, I'm sorry, yeah, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. Sam, if you'll turn that into King James or the New King James. I want to read a couple of passages of Scripture. I'm going to tell you a few stories. And then we're going to do something today that's just a, maybe a little different. But it'll be a fitting for our Christmas story today. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, The spirit of man, look at this, is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. The word candle there means burning. You can say, you can go back to 27 if you don't mind. So you can say it this way. The spirit of the man is burning, is the burning of the Lord, the fire of the Lord. The word searching there means change. The spirit of the man is burning of the Lord, changing all the inward, look at this, the parts is where we get the word apartment or compartment in English. It's the depths of the chambers of a person. So we could say this way, the spirit of a man is the burning of the Lord, the fire of the Lord. Look at this, changing all the inward, secret, deep places of what the belly means is the depth, the bosom, the womb. The spirit of a man is what God uses to change the deep places of your life. It's in your being. It's in the essence of who you are. That's why this kingdom couldn't have been an outside kingdom. That's why it couldn't have been something from a distance looking at. That's why the Bible says the kingdom can't come, doesn't come with observation. It doesn't come by looking and weighing it out and analyzing it and going, well, I think I could consider that. That's not how this works. How this works is that God himself was going to change the way life existed and life was lived. The spirit of the man. Man didn't even know he had a spirit. I want to read something to you. If you'll read this out of the Message Bible, Sam, in John chapter 1, verse 1. I'm going to read some, some scripture here and then we'll tie this all together and I'll show you what I'm talking about. Look at this. The Word was first. Now keep in mind, for 4,000 years there was a, a, a letter, a pronouncement that was sent out to everybody's home. There's coming a baby. There's a birth about to happen. A virgin's going to give birth. It's, 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 it's real. 4,000 years of proclamation of something's going to change. The systems of this world were turned upside down. The Roman government, the Roman Empire was in control. Everything was spinning out of control. And the people of God, the, the Israelites, the people of God were searching and screaming, how can we be free out from underneath the tyranny, out from underneath the pressures, out from underneath the world of sin, out from underneath the torture of mankind? How can we be free? There's got to be a way to live outside of what we're experiencing. They were screaming. They were yearning. Just like the children of Israel did when they were in Egypt for 430 years. They were in the, in, in the wilderness working hard. And the Bible says that God heard the cry of his people. 
The Bible says that the more they were afflicted, the more they multiplied and grew. What Roman government didn't know, it was a setup. What they had no idea, Caesar Augusta, had no idea, it was a setup. Caesar taxed the people to get a relocation to fulfill a prophecy. See, sometimes God will allow stuff to happen in your life that's really uncomfortable, that might even feel taxing to relocate you, repurpose you, get you in a place that you wouldn't have been if that hardship hadn't happened to you. See, life isn't all bed of roses. It isn't all blue-colored, what is it, rose-colored glasses, as the guy used to sing. It isn't, it isn't about all of that. I used to hear it all the time when I was growing up. You give your heart to the Lord and I'm telling you your life will be so good. Well, that didn't happen to me. Right? And now even to this day, life is a roller coaster. There's days it's up and there's days it's down. And I don't base my salvation on if I'm up or I'm down. But let me just tell you, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it don't feel good. Sometimes people pass away without any explanation that shouldn't have died, and I still don't have the answers for it. And I get tired of sometimes Christian people coming with good intentions, saying God needed another angel in heaven. He got 10,000 of them. He don't need one more. All right, I know what you mean, and you mean well. And, and, and fly high. Fly, and, and know, walk with us. I get all of that. And I understand there are morning, the words of comfort, the words of... But the reality, it shows us that life is hard. Sometimes people pass away before their time. Sometimes relationships fall apart with no explanation and don't know how we got there. Sometimes a parting of the ways happen and you go, what in the world? How did this thing get to where it... No and you look back and you try to want to fix it and repair it, but it, it just ha some things just happen. It just doesn't happen to sinners. It happens to Christians too. And I used to think all the time, somebody would tell me, man, when you were a, when you were a sinner, the devil never fought you. Well, I, he fought me when I was a sinner. Did he fight you? I don't know who told you or told us that he'll fight you harder as a Christian. He's not on your side, either side you're on. Because you took his place. Keep in mind, his seed is about to have his head crushed in Matthew. He, he don't care if you're saved or not. And he's not down in hell with his pitchfork and his ears, or whatever they're called, walking back and forth like he's ruling this thing. Right? As we project him in our movies. And we're projecting in our plays. No, he not, he's not ruling anything. He's captive, held captive. And the more you know he's captive, the more captivity he's in. The only authority he has in your life will be the authority that you give him. That doesn't mean that life itself isn't hard. Because life is hard. And I've kind of learned that not everything is the devil. Sometimes I'm the devil. Yep. You can blame in that. You're supposed to say, oh, not you, Pastor. Yeah. Sometimes we, we are our own worst enemy. Your flesh is more dangerous than the devil. <laughs> Do you know the devil is not omnipresent? He's not everywhere at the same time. But we are. 
We're the, we're, we're, you're there, he's there, they're there, she's there, I'm there, and guess what? If we operate in the flesh, flesh is operating. Yep. You got it? But God knew that flesh was in control for 4,000 years, but with that pronouncement, those, those cards of birth, birth announcements, there's a birthing that's going to take place. Everything. And they didn't know his name was Jesus. They did not know that. They just knew that something was going to happen where a virgin was going to give birth to a child. And when you saw that sign happening, you just have to know everything in life is going to change. Your death sentence is going to turn to a sentence of life. Your, your, your confusion is going to change to a, a sentence of peace. Your boredom and hurt and confusion is going to turn in to a place of peace, joy, and fulfillment. What's this? The Word was first. The Word was present to God. And God was present to the Word. The Word, look at this, was God. In readiness for God from day one, everything was created through Him. Nothing, not one thing, came into being without Him. What came into existence was life. Look at this. And the life was the light to live by. The life light blazed out of darkness. The darkness couldn't put it out. There once was a man, his name was John, sent by God to point out the way to the life light. He came to show everyone where to look, who to believe in. John was not himself the light. He was there to show the way to the light. The life light was the real thing. Every person entering life, he brings into light. He was in the world, and the world was there through him, and yet the world didn't even notice him. He came to his own people, but they didn't want him. But whoever did want him, whoever believed, he was who he claimed and would not do what he said, he made them to be their true selves. Their child of God themselves. These are the God begotten, not blood begotten, not flesh begotten, not sex begotten. The word became, look at this, flesh and blood and, and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, here we go, like son, the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. Generous inside and out, true, from start to finish. There was a witness. The witness's name was John. From for 400 years from the book of Malachi to Matthew chapter 2 and John chapter 1 until the birthing of Jesus, there was silence in the land. You had 4,000 years of a pronouncement. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Oh, he's coming. He's really coming. And people would say, when? 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 And finally there came a man by the name of John that stood up and he said, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Nothing was made that wasn't made through Him. People didn't receive Him. People rejected Him. People looked at Him and said, no, this is, why would they do that? Listen, it's been 4,000 years this message has been coming and nothing has changed. The landscape now is totally Roman government and Roman control. And finally, what nobody knew, 
with what Lisa read earlier. All of the angelic hosts stood to their feet. And God said to them, it's time. The water broke in heaven. (laughs) And God said, the fullness of the term is here. Go tell Mary, the virgin, the one that Isaiah prophesied, that her announcement that's been happening for 4,000 years is going to happen in reality. You tell her she's found favor with me and she's going to give birth to the child. His name is not going to be called Word now. His name is going to be called Jesus. He is the Word. And He was the Word. But now I'm going to put flesh on Him and He's going to come through the very canal that every man, person of mankind has come through for the last 4,000 years. And as he comes through the womb, here we go. You tell them that the spirit of a man is the place where the fire of God or the light of God burns. To change them to the innermost parts of who they are. So you tell them, The rage that you have that you can't change, the anger and the bitterness, the hurt and the pain, the confusion, the the, the weirdness that goes on in your mind because life has happened, oh, they can't change it. But what I'm sending will. He's going to enter into this world, and when he enters into this world, this promise is going to become an actuality. The hope that's been deferred for 4,000 years is going to become actual. It's going to happen. He's going to live amongst the people. And when they know he's there, he has, they have to know everything that I've said for 4,000 years. Yeah. I might have been silent for 400, but I'll not be silent any longer. The water's breaking in heaven. So as the angel stood in heaven and Gabriel was dispatched from the throne of God, he said, you go tell Mary, everything is changing. I'm ushering in a whole new thing. Where I've been angry with people, I'm not angry anymore. Where they thought they got to go to hell, they don't have to go to hell. In fact, what I'm going to do, Mary, uh, Gabriel, tell, tell Mary what I'm going to do. When I go down to the innermost parts of the belt, how about I just do this first myself? Here's what I'll do. I'll send Jesus down to Abraham's bosom into the womb. Come on. I'll bring the fire of God into the belly of the earth. And when I bring that down there, I'm going to lead captivity captive. I'm going to bring them. In fact, what I'm going to do, I'm going to have an open parade is what I'm going to do. And all of hell is going to be surrounded. All of Abraham's bosoms there. And all the people up and from from Adam all the way through my silence to Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to split hell wide open. This baby is going to go right straight to hell in 30 years. He's going to go to hell, and when he goes to hell, he's going to go to Abraham's bosom, and everybody that's been in captivity, he's going to preach the gospel, and when he preaches the gospel, he's going to lead a parade. I see the Lord high and lifted up, as I said, and and his robe filled the temple. 
Yeah. You know what that that was a that was a parade. Yeah. I see the Lord high and lifted up when He went to the belly of the earth, and all the people that were in Abraham's bosom, all the people that had died before. Yeah. They believed the gospel. He preached it, and he led a parade, and the train yes. was the people. Yeah. Yes. Following him out of Abraham's bosom in a place of desolation, bringing them into a place of freedom. A place where hell can't hold them. Darkness can't hold them. Why? Because Christ is the burning light that goes to the inner parts of your being and changes the very essence of who you are. And everything you don't like about yourself that you try to change forever, Christ can change yeah. you. Yes. He, can, he don't modify you. He radically transforms you. Yes. So you're telling the story about somebody you don't even know who you are anymore. Yeah. You tell the story about who you used to be. Yeah. Man, when you get to the place in your life that you can tell your testimony and go, you know, I don't even know who that guy was anymore. Come on. Yeah. It's like you're telling about somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And you know that what God has done for you, He can do for anybody. And now, he's, because He comes into the innermost parts of who you are, now when life happens, death and sickness and pain and hurt, you're not having to walk this thing out in this mind of imagination. You've got something on the inside of you that now I don't have to carry the load. It hurts like crazy. Yeah. It, it, it's almost over, over, uh, over, too much you can bear at times. The pressure sometimes feels so overweight that you're going, oh my God, I can't take it. It's crushing me. But guess what? You're not abandoned. Amen. You might feel persecuted, but you're not lost. Right. You might feel hurt and pained, but you'll never be forsaken. You might feel like you're not going to be able to take another breath because it hurts so bad. Oh, but God will somehow breathe through you and you won't even know how to breathe. Why does he do that? How does he do that? I'll tell you how he did it. I wish he would have just came himself from heaven and the word just came to us and said, hey, everybody, I'm Jesus. But he didn't do that. He takes us on a journey. He takes us into the dark places of life. And he lights us up. And when he begins to light us up, he begins to change us and transform us. I don't know how he does it. And I don't know why he does it. I just know he does it. I can stand up here as a living witness and a testimony. To stand up and say, I didn't deserve it, but he did it. I didn't figure it out, but he fixed me. I didn't have it all together, but he changed me. I didn't know. I didn't have tears to cry anymore, and he still wiped them away. I didn't know who to turn to, but he turned to me. I didn't know how to get to him, but he found me. The pain was overwhelming at times, but somehow you made it through. That's what God does. That's why he does it. He's faithful. He's true. That's why he entered into this world that way. He came as a baby. He came as a child to fulfill those prophecies into the Roman government to see, oh, you have no idea what just came into this world. And John the Baptist looks at him and says, I'm not the light. He's the light. The light of all men that gives them the life that they've been looking for. When you hear the light, you got to know life comes with it. It changes everything. This Christmas... 
There wasn't just a baby born. There wasn't just a, another child. Mary and Joseph didn't just high five and everybody come and visit her and bring frankincense and myrrh. It was more than that, right? It was incredible because the wise men, the people of that day, were, were well aware that on record 2,000 plus years ago, this wasn't some ordinary baby. The light of heaven had come down into a really dark world. And when the light of heaven came into a really dark world, I know God says, the Bible says that you're the light of the world and you're supposed to put on a smile that's going to light somebody else up. It's much deeper than that. Yes. It's much more than just smiling and encouraging and fake it till you make it. Yeah. Sometimes you just don't know how to fake it. Sometimes it just hurts too bad. there's something happening on the inside of you that doesn't fake it. It's Christ the Lord. Yeah. Mary didn't just give birth to a baby. She gave birth to the Savior of all mankind. Would you all stand with me? We hope you are enjoying today's show. We believe that God has given us a voice to impact communities and regions all over the world. If you would like to make sure that voice is heard, please partner with us today by visiting www.expressionradio.org and click donate. You can also text give by texting the dollar amount followed by the word radio to the number 84321. First time text givers, please choose Expression Church of Huntington when prompted. All gifts are tax deductible. Join us as we change the world.